welcome to BiblioChat. I'm your host, Forrest Robot, and on this episode, I will be discussing one of my favorite subjects, China. And I've been joined with a very special guest who can help me dive into this issue of China's imperial growth, John Regis. John, how are you? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, before we get started, I do just want to say everything that I'm about to say is my own view and not representative of that of the Marine Corps or any of their uh, foreign relations or any of the U.S. foreign policy. So just getting that out there before we really dive into anything. I totally get that. So just, just share what you're comfortable with and we'll go from there. So you joined the military in 2019. And since you have begun your military career, you have become very familiar with the threat of China. So I'm wondering if you can describe your early experience with the military and where you are now. So I went to OCS, Officer Candidate School in Quantico, Virginia, in January of 2019, and then immediately went over to the basic school, also in Quantico, Virginia, for six months. Uh, from there, I went over to Fort Sill in Lawton, Oklahoma, for artillery school. That was another six months. And then uh, I'm actually a reservist, so I went and checked into my reserve unit, and then... Uh, Moved from Seal Beach to 29 Palms, California for a year of active duty with 3rd Battalion, 11th Marines, where I got chopped over to Company B, 3rd Light Armored Reconnaissance Battalion, and I served as the Fire Support Officer, Weapons Platoon Commander, and FIS Leader, and then while we were on the MU, uh, I was the Company Executive Officer as well. Okay, great. So when you started your military career in 2019, uh there was the the 38th Commandant General, David Berger, was appointed to his position. Um, can you, did, did this appointment uh, affect your experience uh, in the military? So through training, uh, initially not so much uh, because I came in very early during his uh, time as Commandant. However, the guiding principles in his force redesign 2030 and his planning guidance really did start to shape pretty much everything that we were doing with regards to training. So what specifically was the guidance that he was uh, developing? Yeah, so in his new guidance, uh, he's basically focusing on the China threat. Uh, you see this in his EABO concept, which is the... Uh, Expeditionary Advanced Base Operations, which in theory, uh, dumbed down, you know, in layman's terms, it's sending a platoon or a squad to an island for observation and long periods of time by themselves, very decentralized, and, you know, being able to call in a fire mission from either an unmanned uh, rocket or missile asset onto ships or troops on other islands, presumably uh, in the Pacific. So how, so how are these tactics different from what they were before? Like how are they specifically designed for China? Yeah, so I mean, the Marine Corps we ascribe to maneuver warfare, which is uh, all credited to John Boyd, and uh, I will also give a shout out to the Warfighting Society 
who is still trying to force the subject of maneuver warfare within the Marine Corps and really the entire military because that's what's able to win wars. Um, but operating as we have really since after Vietnam when uh, John Boyd was able to create his idea of maneuver warfare and energy maneuverability, etc., with uh, the help of the Marines that were at EWS at the time, General Gray, the Commandant, and uh, Mike Wiley and a few others, they were looking more so at what the enemy's what's most important to the enemy, and if you're able to dismantle that, then their entire enemy system falls apart. So, so the maneuverability concept and like this idea of uh, finding your opponent's greatest weakness and exploiting it is, and you're applying you're applying that uh, to uh, in the South China Sea area. Um, and so, what would be like the weakness you're trying to exploit? So, uh, I mean, not necessarily just in the South China Sea, but really the Pacific in general. Um, but they have long-range missiles that, you know, they can reach out and touch from mainland China. And it's very difficult for us to be able to break into that area because of their defense systems. So by having this decentralized concept where everyone is so spread out across all these islands, we're able to, you know, reach out, take out their ships, and allow forces to flow in afterwards. Because the Marines, we really aren't, like, we're the brute force, initial shock. We're not the long-term solution. That's more like the Army's problem. Okay. So they have this long-range missile system that um, can target you guys from mainland China into the Pacific, and so you're trying to like maneuver around this strength of theirs. Correct. Yeah, we're trying to, uh, you know, the the buzzword of the day is persist in the WES or the Chinese weapons engagement zone, um, and so really having the ability to still exist. You know, it's a lot harder to target 50 different islands than it is to target one massive unit as it's about to try and attack you. So, you, so you've provided some interesting insight into the specific military tactics um, that I think is uh, very, very interesting. Um, the other thing I'm curious to ask you about is, so... Ever since Trump kind of highlighted the threat of China, there's more uh, there's more awareness of China and their imperial in their imperial growth. Uh, I know Xi Jinping has his grand vision for China of being this um, major economic power, um, and I'm wondering, given that you are really there on ground level, seeing China's uh, specific movements in person um can you describe like what it's do you think xi jinping can achieve this ultimate vision or like what's kind of like the micro perspective of all of this stuff 
you know, militarily, it's it's different to think about. Um, you know, China is always painted in this large, uh, undefeatable, massive force that you know everyone should be scared of, and there's nothing that we can do to stop them. Obviously, the Commandant's planning guidance. This is an EABO. That's our attempt to stop them, but at least my perspective. And again, I'm speaking solely as John Regis, not as uh, not as First Lieutenant John Regis, United States Marine Corps Reserve. But you know, every military has you know the 18 year old, 19 year old Lance Corporal who you know they want to. They're not necessarily the most motivated, and you know when you look at what fighting actually comes down to, everything is a projection. Uh, you know, we're very big on projecting what our capabilities are, especially in the Pacific. And that's to back up what, uh, what General Neller has put out. But China's doing the same thing. And, you know, we partner with Japan and Australia and we show all these joint training exercises, and they're doing the same thing. Uh, but when it comes down to it, the discipline of a unit is all based on whoever the leader is and you know how well he's training his guys. And 1v1, I don't necessarily think that you know a Chinese Marine... I, I don't think it at all. I don't think a Chinese Marine is better than a U.S. Marine. So... That's something that, you know, I think often gets overlooked because we just look at such the macro perspective. You know, those guys want to, they want to hang out. They don't want to work sometimes. And like, obviously, yeah, everyone has those tendencies. But um, yeah, I don't think necessarily there is big of a threat on the individual level as we might think okay. they are. So, so, you, so you kind of think on the mano a mano level the equivalent of a single like individual marine is stronger than an individual chinese marine at least um from your experience or what you've instinctively kind of feel yeah i mean i i never had any interactions with chinese yeah. marines but um you know just thinking about you know people in general and you know from the sociological perspective like it there's no way that they are just on 24 7 if you look back at world war ii you know uh with the blitzkrieg you know essentially they were taking heroin to stay up for extremely long hours at a time and eventually it all just fell apart um you know it's not sustainable so even though they might be able to have some short-term gains, I don't think that, as a whole, they are the stronger force. Interesting. Okay, so, so what's interesting here is, these, is the projection of power. Um, and I think this projection of power from China is on purpose, obviously. And I to, agree. Um, and um, 
and I think it's it's been effective. I guess like the way I feel about it, I I did kind of buy into it that China is uh, uh, maybe not superior to the U.S. forces, but like on their way. You know, I, I think it's better that you know we you obviously have to have respect for your enemy, but you know if you if you laugh somebody off for too long, they're obviously going to get stronger and they're going to be able to come back and it's going to bite you in the ass. But, um, you know, to think that there's nothing we can do against this massive force that's coming for us, I think that that's just kind of an unrealistic perspective. And, you know, without getting too much into like the whole, what the media is saying nowadays, but I mean, they want you to believe that there's nothing we can do against China, but there is. And, Obviously, the military has taken notice, and we're making those changes to be able to fight them. No, that's great. I, uh, it's very interesting getting your perspective on this episode. I think you've, you've pointed to an important idea about projection, that China wants us to feel afraid. They want their military, they want us to be afraid of their military growth and their strength. And also, interestingly, as you pointed out, you know, the, the media wants us to wants us to feel afraid and it's how they get our attention and that's how they get clicks on their websites. So, um, thank you for coming on. And I think I, I think I feel better about China now. I mean, that's good. Uh, yeah, I mean, everything that is, you know, being told to us frequently, you know, there's, it's much more complex than, you know, the big picture macro perspective um a lot of things do come down to like the individual level and i don't know like i said that's kind of that's my perspective on things i don't know if maybe it's maybe it's wrong but that's how i look at it no i uh no i definitely agree with what uh with your opinion and um i think uh i think we've we've touched on some important things and uh thank you for joining today yeah, Forrest, thank you. I appreciate it. It's been a great time, and this is a damn good Manhattan, too. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs>